Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have an extraordinary guest today that is a legend. <laughs> Welcome, Bernie Swain. Thank you, Steve. Welcome to you. Thank, thanks for doing this. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And, and before we get started today, I'd like to give you a little background of uh, Bernie Swain. He is the co-founder and chairman of the Washington Speakers Bureau. And just a little background, he grew up in Arlington, Virginia. His high school athletic director inspired him so much, he decided to pursue a career in college athletics. And he earned his undergraduate and master's degree from George Washington University, where he met his wife, Paula. Uh, Bernie subsequently joined the university's athletic department, and he and Paula started a family. So he spent the next five years preparing to take over the job of athletic director. But just as his boss was ready to retire and promote him, Bernie abruptly quit to join Paula and friend Harry Rhodes to start a lecture agency without any experience, without a plan, and really without a single client. So what happened next is a classic American success story. The three co-founders started the Washington Speakers Bureau. It was really just from a small supply closet belonging to Chuck Hagel, who would later become Secretary of Defense. And so one rocky year later, just as their savings were running out, Bernie and his team secured their first speaker, and basically sealed the deal with a handshake. And this gesture became one of Washington Speaker, Speakers Bureau's defining moments. And the trio recruited more speakers, and word spread that a new lecture agency was in town and was growing fast on the strength of its handshake. And indeed, eight years later, very short years later, they rose to be the very best of the best in their industry. And the Washington Speakers Bureau was now established as the top lecture agency in the world. And they've had great growth. They have a wonderful reputation. We've had the chance to work with them, and uh, they continue to expand. Over the last 35 years, the agency has represented three U.S. presidents, four prime ministers of Great Britain, and countless American and world leaders, business and economic visionaries, journalists, authors, and sports legends. Today, uh, Bernie remains chairman of the Washington Speakers Bureau, and he and Paula have been married now for 42 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great introduction. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you bet. Now, Bernie, 
tell us about your background so that people can get to know you better. You've done so many wonderful things during your lifetime, and as you reflect on your life, what were some of the key turning points? I think a number of them. I think uh, I think we all uh, are influenced to a certain degree by the, our parents and and the and their our grandparents and the people that bring us up. Uh, you know, my mother's side were very entrepreneurial people who live off the land. Were farmers. On my father's side, they lived in West Virginia, and um, and when my grandfather left the family, uh, they had f- uh, five girls and two boys, and. Uh, their mother couldn't take care of them, so my father spent much of his time in an orphanage. And so my family grew up rather poor. I was the first one in my family to ever go to college. And I think if it wasn't for the athletic director at the university, I probably I may not have ever gone to college. He kind of put me on that career path, and it was something I had been dedicated to for I had spent my first 15 years after high school dedicated to doing that. Wow. Now, you think about this, uh, Bernie, the impact that a person can have on our life, and we'll have the chance to talk more about your new book that's uh, coming up here in a few moments, uh, but people can really come into our lives and have a, a big impact on us, can't they? Uh, uh, all the time. I mean, there, there are defining moments, uh, and there are powerful influences in our lives, and uh, they can be the teachers or our friends or people we run into, uh, we can be surprised by the little turns in our lives, the things that, even the daily things that, that may, you know, put us in a bad mood or make us happy or there, all of those things influence us. And those influences and defining moments all add up to uh, establishing who we are. Yeah, how true. And... Uh, Have you found, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, because this is a big deal for our listeners. They're, you know, they're in all different places of life. I mean, the the people are listening to this podcast are people that are trying to become better themselves, to make a difference, to make an influence in in their life, to be happy and more successful. Some are CEOs, some are entrepreneurs, teachers, coaches, parents, and, and so as we kind of put ourselves in a position to grow or develop or have positive influence in our life. What have you found as you kind of reflect back that you've done that helps put you in the right place? How do you be open to people that can help you and inspire you and, and you also become part of their lives in a good way? I, th- I think it's a learning process. Um, I th- I got to a point in my career where, you know, we just kind of just walked away from what I was doing and started something and, and, <laughs> and failed at it for for years before we had any success. Uh, you know, we were we were within weeks, if not uh, days of closing when we we got our first speaker and we kind of held on to for another year and then we kind of grew. And um, and so. After four or five years of doing this, and we had some moderate success, um, I, uh, somebody came to our office, uh, Alex Haley, who wrote Roots. And Alex used to repeat a famous phrase of his, if an old person dies, it's like a library burning. And that phrase kind of, that pithy phrase kind of stuck with me as time passed. And I started thinking about my own life, how I got from one place to another place to another place. Part of it, I think, is being a conscious 
of who you are. And I gave a lot of thought to who I was and how I ended up being there. And what Alex Haley was trying to say to me is that the people that are around you are full of experience. They go through the same thing. And if we pay attention to those defining moments, uh, those influences in our lives, they can educate us. And they and if we are ready to learn from them, they can make us stronger and sometimes wiser. And they contribute also to our character and accomplishment. All of these things are subject we are subject to one turning point that can affect us more than any others. For me, it was getting uh, the realization uh, that I wanted to make my own decisions. It's a turning point in life that ultimately is personal, and for that reason, it's very hard to predict. You have to pay attention to it. That turning point can dramatically change the trajectory and the direction of our lives. What I found, thanks to Alex Haley, is that a fortunate number of these people, the people that I represented, recognize this turning point. They embrace it, and they're able to draw from it. Uh, It can produce a passion that we need to succeed at almost anything. And a lot of the recent research is showing that talent is not as important as passion, Mm. that people with greater passion can do better than people with greater talent. So sometimes we are too conscious of, well, I just don't have a talent doing that. We started a company when we had no experience or plan. We had no idea what we were doing it. And much like the things that you write about in your book, you know, we tried to do the things the right way, pay attention to the, our character. And, and, and so we didn't, we weren't subject to having lived in that industry for a long time and made mistakes that we could have made just to make shortcuts, we kind of lived by doing things the right way. Okay, well, that's fantastic. I I mean, you had a basic set of values. Uh, You had a focus of where you wanted to be. Now, as you go back and think about uh, those early years, and there are really probably a lot of people listening today uh, that can relate to those early years or maybe in the very middle of it. What advice do you have for them of how can they navigate to take a company out of the early years and maybe some of those tough times and maybe even struggling with making a payroll from time to time or getting their product aimed into the right place? Uh, What thoughts would you have to be of help to them to go from those early years to maybe breaking through? The thing that we learned, and it wasn't – it wasn't something we knew when we were starting. What was the thing we learned is that you have to almost turn things upside down is the way you think about things. When we we were in the business, we wanted to represent famous speakers. Well, you know, there was no Internet at the time to say, here's this person is represented by this agency. There was no way for us to know who our competition was with other agencies. So we had no way to evaluate who we were competing against. So we used to send letters out, and we'd get letters back a couple weeks later from lawyers who were saying they were already represented. We tried calling people on the phone and saying, you know, can we take care of your convention and get speakers for your convention? And people wouldn't take our phone calls or they would never call us back. We really had no product until we find, finally got our first speaker. When you're starting a new business, obviously – that's the first thing you need is a product. It took us a year to get one product. Uh, in an industry where you need 30, 40, 50 products, 
So if you're selling coffee, you need just not just to make hot black coffee, but you need to make different kinds of coffee coffee to give options. Mm-hmm. So um, so we were we tried to had to turn things upside down. We couldn't get in to see people. We couldn't get in to get business. So we took our one speaker and said, well, if people aren't coming to us, then we're going to go to them. So we we took asked our first speaker if he would do a free speech for us, and we sent an invitation to all the people that we wanted to work with, and we invited them to hear one, our only speaker speak for free. We got 600 people who showed up at that event. Now, that was 600 people, customers, who saw us for the first time, allowed us to get up on a podium and introduce the speaker and see what we were like. So we had to turn things totally upside down instead of, sending out promotion material or doing advertising or promoting our one speaker, we had to find a different way. So I think I think we tend to, when we start a business, we tend to think of what everybody else has done in the past rather than how can I look at this a different way? How can I turn everything upside down? If it doesn't work this way, will it work another way? Oh, I love that. What great advice. And, and I can only imagine once you did that, as you start turning up things upside down, that relationships would really be a big part of your business. I think in any business, the most important things are relationships and networking. I mean, just and to show people what kind of character you have. I mean, people want to come to your store, do business with you, work with you because they trust you. Uh, they, they like your character. They can depend on you. They know that uh, you're going to take your first interest is taking care of them as opposed to taking care of your own needs. So I think there's nothing more. Once you get that product, there's nothing more important than the relationships you establish with the people that you're doing business with and, and the character that you establish that, uh, to be the kind of person that they want to work with. Well, what tremendous advice. I mean, really tremendous advice. And I just had out of a personal question of interest – so going from an athletic director aspiration, I mean, so close. There you were. You know, this is a big-time field. And all of a sudden, you veer off into the Speakers Bureau world. What ever inspired that? <laughs> the, um, you know, my wife, it took me a while to kind of understand what I was going to go through. Um, I, think it's, I think it's difficult to be a leader unless you understand yourself, because if you don't understand yourself, it's hard to understand other people. One of the first lessons I learned, for example, as a leader was, you know, I wanted to make my own decisions. Um, I got, my wife, my wife knew the story that I'd gotten fired at a swimming pool and replaced by one of the board of directors' children. And I wasn't, and, and it was a situation in my life where I needed the work because I had no money and I needed to attend school and this was my living expenses that I needed for for the next school year. Um, It kind of taught me that I needed to make decisions on my own and that if I was ever going to be happy, that uh, then then I had to be able to make those decisions and not uh, not constantly complain that you know that I wasn't getting done what I wanted to get done. I never realized that until, my, until my, we read this article in Fortune magazine about another lecture agency, and my wife says, you know, I know you're close to it, 
but you're never going to be happy unless you make decisions on your own. If this guy doesn't have a lot of competition, then, then leave. And one of the things I learned at the beginning was, yes, I want to make my own decisions, but at the same time when I'm leading other people, I ought to be the kind of leader that allows them to make their own decisions. So I think part of what you say in your book is that is that you know you lead, um, you you set a standard. I think, and, mm-hmm. and I'm just starting a book because I got it today. But I think you set a standard, you kind of set a vision, right? You kind of set a moral code for people, and and then you trust the talent of the people that you hire to go out and do the job that they want to do, so they take pride in it. The first thing I wanted to do once we got established was I wanted to build an agency of agents who each one was a star onto themselves. And in order to keep people at work, I needed to make sure that they were happy and satisfied and feeling accomplished of, of what they did. So, um, so I think it's a it's a huge thing. You know, you, you learn, you make a change in your life, and then you learn from that change in your life. And and I learned. That um, that if I was going to if I was going to lead people, that I had to lead them by just setting a standard and let, letting them make decisions on their own. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Now, uh, Bernie has just written a new book. What made me who I am? And by the way, it's going to come out on September sixth. Uh, and I have been fortunate to have a copy of the electronic version, which I'm loving reading right now. So, Bernie, tell us what the inspiration for this book was and tell us uh, about it generally. And then I have a couple of questions about it. Great. Um, well, generally, generally, as I told you before, what set me on this path was Alex Haley when he said, you know, when an old person dies, it's like a library burning. And it started me thinking that we're all full of experiences and that we're all defined by those experiences in life. And, um, and I think in the lives of truly successful and accomplished people, you're often going to find a turning point. And it could be a person in their life or a moment in time or an unexpected event or something intangible, such as maybe the expectations set by others or something that totally surprises you. But success and accomplishment don't happen in a vacuum. They rise from the experiences that have a profound and lasting experience on us. Right. Now, this this uh, book is literally a goldmine of experiences of outstanding leaders, Uh, people who have really distinguished themselves in the areas that they've chosen to work in in life or dedicate themselves to life. And uh, so this this is going to be I just uh, know I have this huge feel that as we learn from people, um, one of my friends 35 years ago, Charlie, Charlie Tremendous Jones was his name, said, I know him. Oh, great. Well, Charlie's an amazing guy, isn't he? Mm. He certainly is. Well, one of the things he said is we'll be the same people as we are today in five years from now, except for two things, the people we meet and the books we read. And, uh, I know that this book that you're that you've written is going to have a big impact on me just from all the experiences. So, would you mind telling us a little about what's in the book? Tell us about Certainly. Okay, go ahead. So, I, what I did was in the last two and a half years, what I did, I knew the stories of the people that I represented. And I knew that the, that 
my thinking about these people before I started the Speakers Bureau was different. That I thought, well, they must have start, they must have had some success and accomplishment in life because of an enormous talent, or because they were given something, or some family connections, or you know, I never kind of thought that they got to that place in life, just like the way I and everybody that I knew got to their place in life. They they just got to a point where they recognized uh, the critical turning point in their life, and they embraced it, and they drew on it. They learned from it. Um, so I started paying attention and having conversations with the people I represented. And so over the last two years, I started, um, in order to get things correct, I interviewed each one of them, and I taped the conversations. And then I took those conversations and put them in their own words so that in the book there are 34 different stories of, of, of very eclectic and diverse people who, who have all accomplished great things in all different ways and all because of a turning point in their life. And it's not a, it's not a book about you know being Secretary of State or being a Prime Minister or accomplishing uh, Debbie Fields becoming a great uh, entrepreneur, but these are stories about how they ended up that way because of the personal turning points in their lives. Uh, Robert Rice, for example, was the Secretary of Labor, and he is committed to lifelong uh, social justice and economic quality. He's very liberal, but he is five foot eleven inches tall. And starting in kindergarten, he was teased about his height and was uh, subject to constant bullying. In order to protect himself, he made friends with larger and older boys who would watch after him. <laughs> One of those boys was Mickey Schwimmer. Uh, Rice lost track of Mickey when he went off to college and to study criminal justice. And at the height of the civil rights riots in the South, Mickey headed, headed south to Mississippi where the action was. When that, while he was down there with two of his friends, a local sheriff and his deputies killed Mickey and two of his friends, and the bodies weren't discovered until months later. Oh my. Uh, the impact of Mickey's death changed Robert Rice's life forever. He was never, prior to that, interested in current events or politics. He, but learning of the death of his good friend who protected him, Bob ran for and was elected to the junior-sophomore class president, then worked for Bobby Kennedy, then George McGovern, then became Secretary of State, and now has committed his life to social justice and economic quality to live up to the example of what Mickey Schwimmer did for him. And that's what the thir one of the 34 stories that are in the book, uh, the turning point in their lives and what made us who we are. Why did, how did we end up here? Tony Blair wanted to be a musician. He was, his, his idol in life was Mick Jagger. He was long-haired, worked in a music store in London. How did he end up to become prime minister? Uh, Alan Greenspan played in a jazz band, and only because he wasn't as good as one of his fellow musicians did he uh, did he decide maybe I have a talent because I kept the books for the band. Hmm. Or you know, so uh, Tom Brokaw was class president, lead, uh, three star athlete who. Um, who ended up uh, going to college and flunking out of college. Wow. A mentor saved his life. Yeah, otherwise, he would have never been 
the person that he ended up being. And that's what that's basically what the book is about. Stories about the thing, the personal turning points in our lives, and what changes us. Well, I'm I'm so excited really to go through it. And as I've been going through it, uh, one of the things that uh, I did as I prepared the you know becoming your best, the twelve principles of highly successful leaders, is I interviewed uh, over 150 CEOs. Uh, literally studied the lives of hundreds of people that have touched our lives for good. And what I was looking for is what set them apart from everybody else. You know, these high achievers, if you will, these ones that really created a wave that made a difference for good. And what I found and discovered over time is that these 12 principles really fell out and were common among them. And as I've been reading your book, like you said, these are people that have character. Uh, they have integrity and honesty. People can count on them. Uh, they have a vision that's driven their life, uh, and, and they've set goals about things they wanted to accomplish and right down the line. And so these are things that people aren't born great. Uh, these are qualities and, and uh, traits that people can develop in their life. And I think that's one of the things that is going to really come out in your book is that we can learn from them that uh, when a person dies, we don't have to lose a library. We have their experience, and we're going to get insights into our own lives. So uh, I congratulate you for doing this. Well, I, and, I, and you too, because um, you, you capture the traits that each of these people Learned. I learned, for example, as I said before, that to be a leader, I had to just set an example for other people, be a set, have a certain character and a moral standard for them. Uh, so there's a lot of things you learn once you start, and I, I think the greatest thing for people in business today, or if somebody wants to go out on their own, is to simply find that passion. Debbie Field said. Find that cookie that you have and <laughs> and, and just go after it. Uh, you know she she was uh, she was a person who would have never uh, you know her her mother was not a very good cook and she just out of desperation ended up cooking. Uh, she had no idea what she wanted to do and and she went with her husband to one of. Uh, a dinner party with one of his clients. Uh, she happened to mispronounce a word uh, when she was having a conversation with his client, and he went and got a dictionary and threw it in her lap and said, you shouldn't be able, if you can't speak English in the right way, then don't speak it at all. Yeah, wow. And she thought she had ruined the night for her husband, and what she did was she found a passion I'm going to show this person that I can do well. And I think that's the key thing. I think in your book, you highlight so many great things. And at the bottom, at the foundation of all of that is find what you're so passionate about and then just do it because you're going to wake up every morning excited about starting life and starting a new day. And no matter how hard it becomes, you remain passionate about it. Uh, I think I think the failures being an entrepreneur is that we tend to do something we may not be as passionate about as we ought to be. And I think the first lesson we have to learn is that, yes, I'm going to learn a lot of things starting a new business, a lot of things you highlight in your book, but to start out with, I need to start something that I'm 
terribly passionate about that I'm going to wake up every morning excited about. Oh, that's uh, that's terrific. And how true, how true. Well, now we're just about out of time. I'm always amazed of how fast things go. <laughs> Our time's up. <laughs> and so one last shot. If you're sitting knee to knee with one of your children or grandchildren or or a friend that you care about, what's some advice that you would give them? Now, you've just given us some. If you're going to do something, pick something you're passionate about, that you really care about. But if you were to give them any other advice for life, to be successful in life, what would it be, Bernie? Well, that's a good question. I, th- I think just first of all, I think the thing is you just have to know who you are. Um, I found with my kids, I have, I have two boys and a daughter, and I, and I found that, especially I, with all of them, I think I found that they all start thinking about, well, my friends, one's becoming a lawyer, one's going into finance, and maybe I should have become a lawyer and become a finance, uh, go into finance. And I think instead of that is to just be conscious of who you are mm-hmm. and find something that you just absolutely love to do. Um, I think that's where the passion comes. If you, if you love something, then you'll find the passion for it. Well, that's a great answer. So how can our listeners find out more uh, about what you're doing and get information about your book that's coming up and also the Washington Speakers Bureau? Well, thank you. Uh, the, uh, they can go to my website. It's BernieSwain.com. And there on there, there, I write different articles and blogs, and, um, and they, can, uh, they can go there. They can go to Washington Speakers with an S at the end of speakers.com for the Washington Speakers Bureau. And they can always find me on Facebook and LinkedIn because I'm always posting things about uh, about leadership. Uh, I'll be posting things about you. So uh, just I think it's a great place for them to go. And, of course, the book is available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and small little bookstores everywhere. Well, that's terrific. Well, thank you, Bernie Swain, for being part of this show today. Well, thank you, Steve. This is great. Thank you very much. Okay, you've done a great job, and we wish you and your team all the best as you're making a really making a difference in the world. Well, you have too, so I'm just great to follow in your footsteps. Thank you. Oh, thanks. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too can make a difference every single day of your life, and you do make a difference. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.